That is the sound you never want to hear. It is the sound of a warning siren going off at a nuclear power plant. But whether you can hear that sound or not, we are all in the nuclear hot seat. Welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly podcast keeping you up to date on all things anti-nuclear. My name is Libby Halevi. I'm the producer and host, as well as someone who is one mile from the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island when it happened. So I know what it looks like when the experts get it wrong. This week, I'm producing the podcast on Christmas Day, so it's going to be much shorter than usual. I wanted to focus on good news, but, well, this is nuclear we're talking about. However, we will include some SATA requests from activists around the world and links to some great free nuclear information goodies online. That will be coming up in just a few minutes. Today is Tuesday, December 25th, 2012, and here is the week's nuclear news. We're going to start out with a quick rundown of what the nuclear accidents have looked like around the United States this year. This is written by Greg Levine, who posts on capitoilette.com, or maybe it's meant to be pronounced capitoilette.com. But in any event, he has given us a really great scorecard. Both reactors at San Onofre have been offline for almost a year after a radioactive leak revealed dangerously worn heat transfer tubes in the steam generators. Nebraska's Fort Calhoun plant has been shut down since April of 2011, initially because of flooding from the Missouri River that turned it into an island surrounded by an inflatable berm, but now because of a long list of safety issues. And it has been 39 months since Florida's Crystal River reactor has generated even a single kilowatt thanks to a disastrously botched repair to its containment that has still not been put right. October's Hurricane Sandy triggered scrams, emergency shutdowns from full power, at two eastern nuclear power plants and an alert at New Jersey's Oyster Creek reactor because flooding threatened spent fuel storage. Other problems discovered at Oyster Creek after the storm have kept the facility offline for five weeks. Another plant that scrammed during Sandy, New York's Nine Mile Point, is offline again for the third or is it the fourth time since the superstorm, this time because of a containment leak. Yes, containment. Other plants that have seen substantial unplanned interruptions in power generation this year include Indian Point, Davis-Bessey, Diablo Canyon, Hope Creek, Calvert Cliffs, Byron, Pilgrim, Millstone, this is starting to sound like a rap song, Susquehanna, Prairie Island, Palisades. Honestly, the list goes on and on. Greg finishes with, Atomic heads love to excuse the mammoth capital investments and lead times needed to get nuclear power plants online, but saying, yeah, but once up, it's 24-7-365, dude. To which Nuclear Hot Seat adds, except that it's not 24-7-365 unless we're talking about danger, toxicity, and the threat to human life and safety. On December 21st, the world did not end, but that doesn't mean that the NRC didn't put pieces in place that could lead to it. A request by Citizens Oversight Projects for a formal hearing on the San Onofre nuclear power plant was denied on Friday, December 21st, by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission panel. The activist group had asked for a hearing on changes in technical specifications, including ending a requirement that some types of documents or reports be reported to the NRC. 
Ray Lutz of the Citizens Group said he was concerned that some documents would no longer be accessible to the public. The NRC's Atomic Safety and Licensing Board, however, said Edison's proposed actions were proper based on a 2001, meaning an 11 or more year old finding, by the NRC. It's a closed loop between the power plant and the NRC. A separate panel from the same board is considering a different hearing request from the environmental group Friends of the Earth, arguing that a document known as a confirmatory action letter from NRC to Edison should be the basis of an evidentiary hearing. That's the trial we've been talking about here on Nuclear Hot Seat. NRC's statement on Friday said briefs are being submitted this month and next for that request, and no decision on it would come until after January. Now remember, Edison has already scheduled workers at San Onofre for a February 2nd restart. What do they know that we don't? Lots of bad news about our nuclear power plants here in the U.S. The first newly licensed nuclear power plant to be built in the U.S. in decades, the Vogel Project in Georgia, has run into construction problems and may be falling years behind schedule. This according to an engineering expert advising the state. The $14 billion facility is being closely watched by energy experts as it involves a new type of nuclear reactor and a modular construction method that is supposed to reduce construction time and cost. (laughs) This is nuclear. It's never on time. It's never on budget. The construction monitor, Bill Jacobs of engineering consultancy GDS Associates Incorporated, warned in a report to the Georgia Public Service Commission this month that the plant was falling behind schedule because of what he called an unsatisfactory performance by its construction team. Joseph Buzz Miller, executive vice president for Southern Nuclear, admitted there were risks going into the project. We haven't built reactors in 30 years, he noted. That doesn't get you off the hook, and that doesn't build confidence. For the power sector, the delay evokes unpleasant memories of cost overruns during the latest big nuclear construction cycle in the 1980s, which resulted in massive rate increases and utility losses. Hoping to prevent a recurrence of those problems, the NRC, always doing its duty to protect people in the environment, right? The NRC streamlined the licensing process, making it easier for them to move ahead faster. In his report on the Vogel plant, Mr. Jacobs cited problems with module fabrication at Shaw's plant at Lake Charles, Louisiana, as well as welding issues and design revisions, all of which have slowed production. The delays and cost pressures have created friction between the construction partners and the utility companies that will serve as the plant's owners, escalating into a series of lawsuits totaling more than $900 million so far, undoubtedly paid for by ratepayers. Nebraska Public Power District, NPPD, those optimists in the Midwest, want to increase the output of the Cooper Nuclear Power Plant through a program including the replacement of the plant's high-pressure turbine. Note to NPPD, do not order your replacement parts from Mitsubishi. They have a bad warranty on parts and labor. Just ask San Onofre. The NPPD must seek approval from national and state regulators for a license amendment to allow the upgrade to go ahead. 
More bad news about U.S. nuclear plants from Arnie Gunderson of Fairwinds Energy Education. He states in his latest podcast that the NRC fails to enforce its own regulations. Yeah. Arnie says, we're looking at the beams that hold things like the nuclear reactor up or the steam generators and the pressurizer. They're major structural beams. And what they discovered is that in a normal day-to-day life of Nebraska's Fort Calhoun nuclear power plant, they'll hold just fine. But if there's a pipe break, the stresses and the shaking of the systems are such that those beams inside the containment are likely to fail. If there's been an accident, it's likely the insides of the plant would have shaken to the point the emergency core cooling wouldn't have worked. Arnie continues, frankly, I was dumbfounded. I mean, how can you know about incorrect, incomplete, missing calculations, numerical errors for two decades, and not do anything about it? Well, it's because the NRC was busy protecting people and the environment. Not. In France, cost overruns on France's signature nuclear reactor pose a dilemma now for India. Electricity giant EDF, the engineer, constructor, and operator of the Arriva-designed EPR nuclear reactor being built in Flamanville in northern France, has announced a steep hike in the cost of the reactor from an initial 3.3 billion euros in 2005 to an unbelievable 8.5 billion euros this year. Too cheap to meter? The first week of December was the nightmare before Christmas for EDF. That's when the Italian energy giant Enel announced it was ending its cooperation with EDF on the EPR in Flamanville and on five other projects. And NL Communique said, We have decided to exercise our right of withdrawal and are ending the strategic partnership reached by the two groups in 2007. Way to go, Italy. Cecily Duflo of the French Green Party, who is Minister for Housing. It appears to be a bottomless financial pit, and the cost of construction, which is nearly trebled from the initial 3.3 billion euros, will eventually translate into an unacceptable hike in energy prices. This is sheer folly. And a report from Professor A. Yablakov and Professor Christopher Busby on Fukushima victim estimates. They have said that the death toll estimate from Chernobyl is now believed to be 1.5 million, and they are predicting no less as a result of Fukushima. A link to this report will be up on our website, nuclearhotseat.com, and go to the blog page. Dr. Jeffrey Patterson, who is president of Physicians for Social Responsibility, inspected the area around Russia's 1957 Kishtim nuclear accident which occurred at a nuclear fuel reprocessing plant, and asked, how can they plant crops here? It's too radioactive. To which a local man replied, oh, we take crops from this area, we ship them to areas where there is no radiation, then we mix the crops together. So much for buying produce for Russia. It has been supposed that this is a model for what's happening in Japan today. Or the other possibility is that legally... They may be simply shipping radioactive food to the United States, which has the highest, most permissive radiation level for food in the world. This is a heartbreaking report out of Fukushima from AFP and also from blogger Ian Thomas Ash. Children in Fukushima are getting fatter 
because outdoor activities have been cut in the area due to radiation fears since last year's nuclear disaster. This is according to a Japanese government report. A ministry official told a news conference, The amount of exercise has declined in Fukushima, mainly among elementary school pupils, as outdoor activities in some locations have been restricted after the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant accident. Filmmaker and blogger Ian Thomas Ash wrote, Even though many schools and playgrounds have been, quote, decontaminated, end quote, the surrounding mountains and land have not. Parents are worried about their children playing outside because of wind, rain, and other factors, the radiation levels in areas that had previously been deemed decontaminated, are already beginning to rise again. He went on to make this personal statement. These children cannot play outside, cannot live their lives as children normally do, and with that realization I had been unable to stop my tears. Just thinking about it now as I write this, I am crying. Ms. Tamita, who was his guide there, leaned in close to me and whispered, It happens to a lot of people who come here. Okay, let's shift the energy. No interview this week, but I put out a call to activists and Facebook friends to tell me what they'd like Santa to bring to them. Among the many responses I received, Michael Welch asked for no more nuclear welfare packages under the holiday tree. Jonathan Besson said, Reindeer-powered public transport. Yoko Collins said, I wish Santa could bring back the world to before the 3-11-11 disaster and bring back my home country and my food culture, which I've lost since then. Ryan Findlay Kaneko asked for world peace, no more nukes, a time machine, and a journal. That sounds like a great combination to me. And Ryan's mom, last week's nuclear hot seat guest Beverly Findlay Kaneko, said, I would like to ask for the fortitude not to give up on the things that we love. Diane Smith said, I'd love to see all nuclear decommissioned and for a spiritual awakening that reverses greed. And Priscilla Starr of the Coalition Against Nukes offered blessings and good health to all moving forward towards 2013 when, as she put it, we crush nukes with our bare will. That was all in caps. I'm sure Santa heard you, Priscilla. And there were multiple submissions for the closure of San Onofre, Indian Point, and other nuclear plants around the country, the defeat of the new nuclear reactors at Kudankulam in India, members of the media willing and able to ask the nuclear establishment the hard questions, write the answers in pristine prose, and get it out into the world, the defeat of the Canadian government in its quest to further pollute the First Nations land in Saskatchewan with a nuclear dump, Someone asked Santa for the Roy process for neutralizing radiation to be found, proven to be effective, and then open-sourced for use around the world. One person who specifically asked not to be identified wanted Santa to bring about a nuclear near-disaster that would frighten people as much as Three Mile Island did and motivate vast numbers of people to join forces and force the end of the nuclear juggernaut. And, of course, We all want safety and health for the people of Japan, as their country's leaders continue to be genocidally tone-deaf to nuclear safety in the wake of Fukushima. Be strong. Be well. Keep fighting. Here's the final thought. Tis the season for giving, 
and there's no better place to spend your money than with the Movement for Nuclear Sanity. First, I want to thank those of you who have already donated to Nuclear Hot Seat. You cannot imagine what this means to me in terms of knowing that this podcast is listened to and appreciated as the resource it is. And there are so many other groups that deserve your support. In considering where to make donations between now and the end of the year, I need to mention Fairwinds Energy Education, meaning Arnie and Maggie Gunderson, Iori Mochizuki of Fukushima Diary, enenews.com, our good friends at nears.org, Nuclear Information and Resource Service, Beyond Nuclear, Fukushima Fallout Awareness Network, and being here in Southern California, any of the San Onofre groups, including Residents Organized for a Safe Environment, sananofresafety.org, and San Clemente Green. Or you can pick your local anti-nuclear group and help them out. If you can't give money, figure out a service you can provide for an in-kind donation. Really, you have no idea how little money and how little additional energy can make a big difference. And, of course, just reminding you to feel free to donate to Nuclear Hot Seat so that we can expand coverage and keep the quality high in bringing you the nuclear news every week of the year. You can do so by going to NuclearHotSeat.com and clicking on the Donate button. This has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, December 25, 2012. Material for this podcast was gathered from ENENews.com, Fukushima Diary, written by Yori Mochizuki, Fairwinds Energy Education, Truthout, Capitoilette.com and Greg Levine, Seattle Times, Huffington Post, The OC Register, Wall Street Journal Online, TheHindu.com, Simply Info, blogger and filmmaker Ian Thomas Ash, World Nuclear News, and the Nuclear Hot Seat Facebook Network. We're going to go out on a little bit of holiday music that I wrote that expresses my feelings about the season. But until we get there, I want to let you know that you can find all our podcasts posted on NuclearHotSeat.com. There's now a link on the homepage that you can click on for each week's episode, or you can click on the blog tab and find them all. We can also be found on the two Facebook Nuclear Hot Seat pages and on iTunes podcasts. Share us, link to us, link to us, please do that in the new year. This is the activist voice on nuclear issues, so use us as the resource we are. And if you have a story lead, a hot tip, or a suggestion of someone to interview, send an email to info at nuclearhotseat.com. We'll go out today on the All Holiday Song, a copyrighted ditty I wrote and perform a cappella. It's short, it says what I would like it to say, and I think that you'll enjoy it. This is Libby Halevi of Hardestry Communications, the heart of the art of communicating, reminding you that we've all had our nuclear wake-up call now. Don't go back to sleep. Well, we've gotten to December. It's the season to remember all the friends and fun and family that make the whole year great. So instead of overeating, I am offering this greeting to everyone, no matter how you choose to celebrate. Merry Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Solstice, Ramamas. 
It's the holiday time of year. Hana Krista Kwanzaa Solstarama Mas. It's the season that brings good cheer. Be a Jewish, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim. If it's love, then your path is true. Hana Krista Kwanzaa Solstarama Mas. And Happy New Year to you. Everybody sing. Merry Hana Krista Kwanzaa Solstarama Mas. It's the holiday time of year. That's it. Hanukkah, Krista, Kwanzaa, Sosterama, Mas. It's the season that brings good cheer. Uh-huh. Be a Jewish, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim. If it's love, then your path is true. Hanukkah, Krista, Kwanzaa, Sosterama, Mas. And Happy New Year to you. From Nuclear Hot Seat Podcast and NuclearHotSeat.com.